Hello and welcome to the Paranormalist Podcast. As always, I am your host, Kenny Dodson, and I am here with author and paranormalist, Patty Wilson. Patty. Yes, Kenny. How are you tonight? How you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> it's not like we don't talk every day or anything like that. Sorry to keep you in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of suspense. Yes. Nothing. I'm just building suspense. Uh, <laughs> so, what are we talking about today, Patty? <laughs> oh, well, I think I'm going to talk a little. Want to talk a little bit about how energy gets absorbed into an atmosphere, and that might not sound like a very interesting topic, except we reap the um, the rewards or the um, the punishment from it all the time. So, I wanted to focus a little bit on places that have almost always had dark energy, and explain you know and examine them a little bit and what goes on in those places and what have you so i think the first time i was ever aware of it i was 14 years old and there was a uh, detention center my mother worked at in central pennsylvania and this place was um the building was was new the, the structure was new the original house was a mansion house and it was used as office space but they built a concrete building concrete brick building for um the detention center so you wouldn't think there would be anything there one way or the other because it was all just a new construction but um the people coming through it the young people coming through it were all you know struggling mightily and there was a lot of darkness around those kids and then the, the staff were basically all hired from a drug and alcohol rehab they were recovering addicts most of them a few people who weren't my mother was among those who weren't and um, they sort of courted the, the negative. My mother spent an awful lot of time worrying about that and complaining about that because the kids would be um, more apt to act out when certain staff were on, things like that. And this kind of culminated in an event that we talked a little bit about several episodes ago where they were messing with a Ouija board. Mm -hmm. And it brought a lot of dark energy into this facility. And my mother gets a phone call at four in the morning that we need to go out there, that there's there's sightings of, of a man and um, that she spent most of the night praying throughout the building, trying to get this thing to go away, whatever it was. Now, sub after this happened... Um, Another series of events began that stayed in play for quite a long time. Um, the building had no like porches or anything like that. So there was just a straight, it was a big square building. And um, so there were no ways for like people to get up on, on a rooftop and look in the second floor windows, nothing like that. And um, about two weeks after the original Ouija board event, one night my mother was on duty and one of the girls in the one room started to scream. Then the other girl in the room started to scream and she went, you know, running into the room along with the male house parent and they girls were both backed up in their bed and they're crying and they come flying towards the house parents screaming. Did you see her? Did you see her? Did you see her? Well, the original ghost story for the property that belonged to the mansion house was of a little girl who's who um, supposedly haunts the house. She died elsewhere, but came back to this house to haunt it. And um, she had nothing to do with this part of the property, however. And they both insisted that they saw this little girl outside the window looking in at them. And my mother calmed him down and she's like, who's been telling you ghost stories? And they're like, nobody, nobody. Um, and they got everything calmed down. While this is going on on the girl's side, over on the boy's side, one of the boys starts yelling, 
for the house male house parent and he he excuses himself and takes off and then he yells for my mom the boys on in the one room over there say they've just seen a little girl looking in their window mm-hmm. now remember these are separated by like a, a an area where they can't get past each other and the odds of them being able to coordinate this um short of them deliberately hoaxing it um would be very slim so this is what began and it happened off and on for almost a month where people would have this event, including one night when a new girl came in, she came in about 10 o'clock at night, they got her something to eat, got her cleaned up and showered and deloused and all of the things that they had to do and put her in her, in the one room to go to bed. There was, she was in a room by herself and she starts pounding on the door about three hours later, screaming, there's a little girl out the window looking at her and there's nowhere for her to stand. And you can imagine how terrifying that must have been. And she had no opportunity to be tainted by a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, this went on for quite a long time. And it just seemed like the more fear there was there, the more anger there was there, the more this little girl would appear. And I think it was um, the dark negative energy of that place and calling the spirits out with a Ouija board that brought that in. And that was the first time I was aware of how energy can impact our environment because we think of it as like oh if we just make the house pretty and we just do this and we just do that it's all going to be peace and light and harmony which is my my gig and we all know that but what happens when people have things happen in, from before you know um because that energy lingers so back to the little girl was she good or bad or indifferent or do we not even know it's just she well, was fed the, with something in the original ghost story she was kind of a pathetic character a sad tragic character um and at the house when she's been seen that's how people have represented her but i don't think she was what was outside that window hmm. i think that something else used that persona to try to get into the house. Remember, we've talked about demonics before yep. and how demons will often represent themselves as children because it's, it's a less threatening entity. Empathetic. Mm-hmm. And sort of sad. And, you know, and people would, you know, be less likely to be terrified of it at first and, and more likely to open that window or to, to do something to be helpful. Right. Um, and I, so I don't really think it was the spirit of the little girl. I think it was a masquerader, somebody that was pretending so that it could get the negative energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, is negative energy worth more to them than positive energy? Because they it, steal it, everybody's positive energy, too, when they're around. Well, you have to understand that there's negative spirits and positive spirits. And the positive spirits, they don't steal energy, but they may use a little bit of it. But they are... Um, and I've actually had spirits that I've been working with that will be trying to manifest and they'll say, I'm too, I'm too weak. And I will say to them, you have my permission to take some of my energy. Right. And so they're very respectful. It is the darker ones that will just cannibalize your energy without any regard for you. As yeah. A rule. Yeah. I'm saying like from you, it would be positive energy that they would be stealing. Right. And, Not and necessarily. They... If they frighten me, it could be negative energy because uh... I, fear is a negative emotion. Okay. So if they scar, if they startle me, then I I will be scared. And if I'm scared, I'm putting off a different type of energy. So is that why they try to build up fear for so long? Yes. 
Okay. And that's why shadow people do what they do. They, they maximize the fear impact. Um, Black-eyed children's stories, you'll hear the same thing, that they, they maximize the fear. It seems like they're enjoying it. Sounds like it. So... Right. Same kind um, of concept. Might, yeah, it is kind of the yeah. same concept. You know, King tends to, um, in his writing, he tends to take universal concepts or things that really happened, like the story of Christine or the story of the Overlook Hotel, which was actually based upon a real story he had heard. And then he blows it up out of proportion, um, you know, probably. But um, he still starts with the basic concept of something that's universally real. Mm -hmm. And so the concept that something would eat energy and steal the life force or the energies from from other entities, other beings, is, um, you know, is a well-known and believed concept by a lot of people. Sure. You know, um, we've had... Um, I've had stories where I, w I did a, a case in a prison... It was an empty prison. The prison had been, they built a new prison and this prison had been shut down and it was just left sitting there moldering and we had asked for permission to go in. And, um, and I will not tell you how to do this because I think in the hands, the wrong hands, it would be very, very dangerous. But we, I've been reading an awful lot about positive and negative ionization and um, how to feed energy to spirits, okay? I've, that's been a fascination of mine for years because if you could do this in a controlled environment, you could help them to manifest mm -hmm. and you could get more out of them. Like in an interview situation. Are you going to, are you yourself going to practice? I have. With Mrs. Kitzmiller? No, not with Mrs. Uh, Kitzmiller. I thought she'd be on board for that. No, that, no, actually, um, we wired um, a room in a prison in the abandoned prison to see if we could get anything there. Okay. And we had a lot of experiences in this room. Um, it's, we put this equipment we built into the room and shut the door just to leave it in there. And then about an hour later, we went in and put in um, audio recorders and um, game cams that are motion and voice activated. And uh, as we they were doing that, I was downstairs and I get a phone or I get a call from the radio that the recorders are turning themselves off. So I'm like, no, do it again. So they put the recorders back down and one by one they clicked off. So I went up and I clicked them all back on and they clicked all back off. And I said to this thing, whatever you are, leave your, get your hands off of them, leave them alone. They're staying on. If I got to stand here beside them, they're staying on. And one of them clicked back on, just one. So that was our first encounter. So we decided to shut the door again and give it another hour to juice. And then we were going to go in and see if we could work with a video camera and see what we could get. It was extremely interesting because on the video camera, you can see a mist or a fog that we didn't physically see with our eyes. Although I will say that our vision was being messed with, like it was blurry. What do you mean? <sighs> Explain. Like, like, imagine if you were looking through a room with a lot of moisture in it, a lot of like a haze. haze. Yeah. And that's how it looked like we were looking and our eyes would hurt because we were squinting, trying to see through it. But you couldn't, there was nothing there. You just felt like you were in this haze. 
and, and everything was warped somehow, just slightly bent. Are you sure there wasn't? Not that like I like it I wasn't mean, actually there. Well, because you just said you caught it on camera, right? Okay. Oh. We did, but I mean, but you couldn't see it with your eye, but you could feel that you could see something was different, but it didn't look the same as it did on the camera. Oh, okay. So it was two different experiences, but it was probably the same thing. So then when the video cameras were put on, they were put on an infrared because we were in the dark. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you could see this. It was walls of mist and it points. I can, the videographer that was filming with me would say to me, I can't see you anymore. The mist has swallowed you. Step back out. And I would step out of it and then he'd see me and he was, there were times he'd hold his hand out in front of him and just like, and I'd hold my hand out toward him so that we could continue to have some physical contact because we couldn't see each other. And it was the only way I would know where he was in the room because the lights from the camera were even being absorbed, you know, the play lights or the record lights. Um, and then we got EVP, we got, um, pushing and shoving. We got what us being pushed and shoved. We had um, whispers of in our ear that were audible, and like three people heard it. They didn't hear it the same, but they all three went, "What was that?" And then they said what they thought they heard. Mm -hmm. um, touching of hand running down your face, kind of thing, like somebody was stroking your skin, which was very eerie because of where we were. So is it just one? No, I think there were multiple in there, but the one in particular, he told, he, we asked him to identify himself and he said his name was Lester. And, um, we actually had to pull the plug on the project at, at that point because it was getting very physical. And, um, there were two videographers, myself, Charlie, and two other people in the room. And there were times we could not see each other in this small prison cell. Weird. If you can imagine. Um, oh, I can imagine because fog is the worst. But when you took the camera down, like you couldn't see, but you couldn't see the fog either. Huh. Whoa. It was weird. And you almost felt like you were in a bubble of some sort and that they had the access to come in and out of that bubble that they had somehow trapped you in. It was very disconcerting and under the right circumstances could probably potentially be very dangerous. And so we backed the equipment down, turned it off, sat downstairs and waited for everything to go down, went back up, attempted to do stuff again. Now everything was back to normal. We blessed the room to make sure there was no residual there because energy is what it is. Yeah. But, um, and we did it on like six different occasions. All of them we found to have a lot of activity. The prison, however, because the energy was so negative, was definitely the worst. It is a very disconcerting feeling to feel a male hand come down across your face. There's no body attached to it, no arm attached to it, and it's touching you. And you know it's it could touch you anywhere because you can't fight it. Ugh. And yeah, I know, but but this is how we learn by experimenting. I know. Why do they, oh, I have power. Now I'm going to be all handsy. Like, well, why do they know, do it's that? Also, it's also a prison, you know? Yeah, so it, that's true. It was a male, male prison and um, a female in a male prison. And so this was, you know, an opportunity to probably instill fear and have empower over right. somebody. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, you know, and I knew I wasn't completely alone. I had other people in the room with me and I was 
conscious of the fact that I could walk out if I wanted to, but um, it still attempted to intimidate. And that's an intimidation, that touching a person is an intimidation at that point, because it's not wanted, it's not welcomed. And um, so anyhow, you know, I think that that was what it was, but we um, toned down the experiment and then finally decided it was probably not safe because we couldn't take it. We couldn't tell other people what we did because it could be used potentially and cause harm. Well, it sounds like the plot of Ghostbusters, the new one. I have no idea. Uh, a guy was using certain energies to amplify spirits to make them manifest and terrorize. Well, I mean, it's a well-established. I mean, I mean you in could the 90s, you could use it as a weapon <laughs> in a way. That's yeah, in scary. the late nineties and early two thousands, um, you know, this was a, a big thing. A lot of people were were reading on the subject and trying to figure it out because they seem to produce an electromagnetic field. Therefore, ergo, it should be able to be either amplified or minimized and things like that. So it was just an, it was an interesting experiment, but whoa, wait, did you do anything with the minimize part? Taking energy Ooh. away? No, we did not because that would have been a lot more difficult than feeding it. Patty, I have a brilliant business opportunity to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had an episode where we said there is no such thing as a guaranteed protection from spirits or whatever. What if there was? And what if we I can don't provide know if it? it would work How that much way, is that but... worth? A hundred bucks? <laughs> it better be better be more than that. <laughs> but anyhow, that was an experiment that we did, and that was a place that we did it in. And we had a lot of activity and a lot more negative activity than normally there. Like we would meet people that would josh with us and stuff like that and and uh tell dirty jokes. We had a ghost that told dirty jokes, which was hilarious. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and hit on one of the guys and things like that. But we never had one that was very aggressive until that night. Oh. Are aggressive spirits weaker by trade? Do you think? <clears throat> uh, it depends on the spirit, hmm. I think. I think it's it has a lot to do with the spirit and its own its energy and, and how it's learned to manipulate it. Perception is reality. So if it's learned to perceive itself in a certain way, that becomes its reality. Right. But there's a lot of <clears throat> those kinds of things you hear about it in places like, um, you know, the Mansfield reformatory where there's a lot of ghost stories there and there's a lot of energy there. Now they're <clears throat> interestingly enough, their stories are very different from like say Eastern state pen. Okay. Because it was a reformatory and it had a different atmosphere and I'm not telling you it wasn't filled with overcrowding. It was, I'm not telling you that there are not harsh things that happened there. There were, there was a death row there and, and you know, and all of that, sure. but they don't have a lot of like <clears throat> pushing, shoving, screaming, you know, that kind of stuff. There's people that manifest and things that occur, but it's not really super negative, terrifying, frightening as a general rule. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, so I found that interesting that, you know, like Eastern state, the, the hauntings are a little darker. There's, um, a place I was at in New Jersey, a prison in New Jersey. And there was, it was very nice on two levels, but the top level was very, there was one spirit that was very aggressive. In fact, the curator, it's a, a museum now. And the curator said 
to us as we went up to that level. Be careful. There's a, there's something up there that pushes people down the stairs. We had a lady reporter here the week before, and she swears something shoved her in the back, and she fell down two flights of stairs. She did not get hurt badly, but she was banged up, and he was concerned about that. And that um, I should get Craig to come on the show. He's a good friend of mine. He was with me that night, and I backed the spirit down because it said something very vulgar about me on tape. And I made it say, I'm sorry. Do you have any of that? I do actually have that one. Craig just sent it to me not too long ago. We were talking about this and he's like, I think I could find that. <laughs> Yay. We're totally going to put that in somewhere. Uh, what You want to save that for him? Are you actually going to have him on? Yes, I'd love to have okay. Craig on. Well, then we'll, we'll talk we'll, about it. That's a tease then, everyone, for later. We'll, we'll so, have that. But, I know, wonder what energy- he said. Don't tell me. But I wonder what it is. <laughs> You're not offended Craig, very easily, Patty. Well, no, but here's the thing. He called me a name, and um, I knew from who he was and the energy I was picking up that if I wasn't really aggressive with him, he'd get more aggressive with me. Mm. So I turned around and on a dime start screaming at him <laughs> and putting him in his place, and I'm like, you sorry piece of, you know, and I'm like yelling, <laughs> You just you say you're sorry, and if you don't say you're sorry, I swear to God, I'm sending you back where you came from. And and I and I back him back, and Craig's like laughing, and he's walking with me behind me. His eyes are getting bigger, and, and he, I'm like, say you're sorry, and it doesn't. And he says, f you, and then he says, say you're sorry, and it doesn't. And I said, I will send you back to hell. Do you hear me? And then you hear, sorry. Well, I think. If, if a spirit doesn't have knowledge of the paranormal whenever they're alive, they probably go, wait, can she do that? You know, like they, they don't know. Right. <laughs> so that's that's a good bluff, maybe. You know, I mean, I know you can't send them. Bluffing. No, I know. I know you can send them somewhere, but it, that, that would instill fear in them if you're like, I can do this and they don't have anything to refute you. They have no reason well, to not believe you. So that's probably scary to them. Well, because I think I also think that it was the psychology of me doing the unexpected, like yeah. the he pushed somebody. Yeah. And they ran. You know, he called me horrible names. Oh, my God, I need to get out of here. But I did. And I turned around and I wailed on him instead. Nice. And we Patty got, Wilson. What do I say? Patty Wilson. Bully to the bullies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he deserved it. He pushed that poor lady down the steps. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. You didn't have to be that mean and hurt her. No. So, um, and he was, uh, he was up on the, you know, the block where the death row inmates and stuff were at. So he was definitely not a very he pro- nice. He's probably one of the ones that really deserved it. That's- <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, I, but I did, Craig and I were talking about it. They were talking about going back maybe this summer and, um, Craig's experience was vastly different than, um, what we had upstairs and just going back and spending some time there because we so enjoyed it there the last time we were there. And, um, we were talking about that EVP and he found it and sent it to me. Awesome. All right. We'll have that. Maybe we'll put it on this episode. We'll see. Um, but but uh, can, then, I, uh, can I tell you a story about fog? Sure. Go okay. ahead. Tell me a story about fog. So I said, that's why I was like, fog is the worst because there's nothing like, you know, we grew up in Pennsylvania we know mm-hmm. what snow is on the road. We know how to drive in the rain, in the snow, and all that stuff. But there's no preparing you for fog. Fog is, I mean, when you are like coming down a mountain and there's fog that's so thick, you can't even see like literally past the very front end of your car. Mm-hmm. 
that is insanely terrifying. So I, I told my buddy about it. We were just at uh, the Penguins game. Go Pens. And uh, <laughs> we were driving home from Pittsburgh. And um, it, it tends to get, you know, it just depends if the conditions are right and everything. And it had just like warmed up from being super cold and just, you know, became a pea soup fog. So I was mm-hmm. driving home and my buddy was sleeping in in the side. And are you familiar with bird boxing? The Bird Box movie, Bird Box oh, Challenge. I, I, yes, I've so seen people it. would like the cover yeah. their windows and drive via GPS. Really, they, they would follow. Yeah, it's really dumb. You shouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, I was gonna say that's exceedingly stupid and dangerous. I mean, it's like on level with the Tide Pod thing. Like it, there yeah. was there was a good run that or year. Snorting condoms out your nose. <laughs> there, seriously, there was a good run that, that year of stupidity. But anyway, um, so I actually had to do that on this road because there was nowhere to pull off. There was, I couldn't see if I could pull off. There was nothing. So I'm just driving. Right. And I'm watching my ways as it it starts to turn like curve. And then I see the, the line start to go like this, you know, it starts to bend slightly and I know, okay, there's a turn here. And I got, luckily I got around the turn without going into like some sort of oncoming traffic or something. And, uh, and then finally I found this, truck that was in front of me with its blinkers going so like i was saved because i could just follow this truck you know and as long as i keep a a good distance but i was watching that that gps the whole time doing the whole bird box challenge by accident (laughs) because i didn't know where the road was so that that was that's legit terrifying so i i am putting myself in that prison with you there because uh i i can imagine how spooky that would be that your vision's just like basically gone of yeah, no fault of your own. It was very odd because like you could step out of the out of the cell and you could see perfectly, but your eyes hurt a little. Like something was messing with yes. the eye. I was like, <laughs> you know, I was up to the windshield, and, like, you know, trying to see, but you can't. There's nothing you could do, obviously. And um, and then uh, we would, like I said, we would have times when we would actually have to reach out and just hold each other's hand in the distance, and he'd have to stay far enough back he could film. And you could hear me talking. You would hear him say, I, I can barely touch you. I- are you sure you're okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. And, you know, and stuff like that. But it was just, uh, it was very disconcerting. And it has a lot of potential. But like I said, I'm afraid that there's a lot of negative connotations to it, too. I could see like a TV show getting it and wiring houses and causing harm. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Because they, they're going to amplify all the stuff. Yeah. Yes. We shouldn't even be giving them this idea. Maybe I'll cut some of this. Because, well, no, because I don't know. you have no idea whether it was negative or positive ions and what we bled them out at and what the rates were and all of that. Oh, There's it's a way lot. more complicated than that. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's not that simple. And what we used to do it, we built devices and we stacked them. And yeah, we practiced it for months before we got we hit the mark on it. It took a long time, a lot of reading and research. I mean, I, I was haunting OSHA sites for months. Oh, geez. Yeah, let me tell you, you know, well, learning about it. Well, let's talk business after we get off this because I have <laughs> ideas. <laughs> starting a starting a uh, company. <laughs> Here's a amplifier so you can have ghost activity. <laughs> yeah, positively uh, paranormal. Yeah. Oh, I could think of all the horrible implications of something like that, though. Yep. And Seriously, the, it's funny in my head, but it wouldn't be funny in real life. No, That's and sure. we we figured it out, but like I said, then we realized that there was much too much potential for harm, so we decided to pull the equipment apart, and we did. Oh, it's like not even, you don't even have it, it anymore? 
I don't have it. There's two members, former members of the team that have pieces of it, but unless they're all put together um, in the right configuration, it won't work. Wait, how long ago was this? Eight years ago. Oh, okay. You made it sound recent. Well, no, it's about, well, that's not bad for me, but it was about eight years, six, six to eight years ago, I'd say. Patty, eight years to me is forever. Well, that's different <laughs> perspective. <laughs> not calling you old. I'm just saying, I don't really remember eight years ago. How could you not remember? Because it? I was You're still in college and just, I don't remember what I was doing at the time except learning pretty much. Yeah, I can remember. I, I have a very good memory for things. So, um, <laughs> but no, and and uh, but you need to know the exact frequencies and megahertz to put everything at. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do so you even more. know anymore, or I did you allow journals. yourself to forget? Oh, okay. I have journals with all the schematics and notes in it. All right. Like we would sketch them out on paper and try them. And then if they didn't work, we'd slash them. And then um, I, you know, it's like the red book. I have these things and they're all hidden. And when I die, <laughs> people won't know what the heck they're all about. Well, if you uh, come out of sleeping and there's a person with a black mask on their head, it's not Good me. Good luck finding them okay. in, all my, <laughs> in all my junk. You know about the red books, but they won't help you with that. It's not in the red books. I know. Some someday maybe some we'll make somebody privy to the red books too. Just a, a story or two. Yeah. Okay. So the energy that was being pumped into that space. Yes. Uh, we said that there was a lot of negative activity that that came forth. So but would that was you, because of the structure, I believe. Would you? Yeah. Would you? Like, were you pumping negative energy, positive energy, or in different energy into, or just plain energy into the air? Or we wherever. Seeding, I mean, you weren't see. You were seeding it with ele electromagnetic and ionic fields. Okay. But is any of that negative? Or well, there's just positive like, and negative ions. If that's what you're asking. Well, I'm just trying to figure out. It's like, indifferent, but it's indifferent to. But we wanted to see what would happen if you bled a lot in, and if you bled, um, one or the other or the third you know and so we tried different configurations and then we finally hit the right configuration well was the right configuration more negative well in it depended on the space we used it in oh okay we did it six times when the prison was the most negative one but then again i would have anticipated that yeah i'm just trying to figure out like the other thing that we were talking about <laughs> and how is, is there a way to, to negate the negative energy as opposed to. Well, um, no, because what you're going to have to do is um, you're tapping into the energy that's already in existence in that plane. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is amplifying what's already in existence. Right. But if you were to do the opposite of that, you're just taking energy period away. In but theory. you have to, yeah, but in theory, but then, like I said, there's a lot of variables that have to be accounted for how much EMF you're pulling out of the atmosphere is how many positive and negative ions you're pulling at, out of the atmosphere. Um, you know, how, how much there were, there was a lot of things that were involved. And then how does that physically impact the biologicals in the, in the environment, which humans and animals? Where'd you guys get the money to do that, to create these machines? we how much did we you steal it to, 
No, How he's done things. We, we, I had a couple guys that were very talented, and I did a lot of the research, and then I took it to them, and then they would do a lot of the stuff, and they would, they would tinker, and they were tinkerers, and they would, you know, stuff they had, and they, the one guy had like an entire garage and a barn and stuff full of all kinds of electronic equipment. He just started hauling out the dusty equipment and blowing it off, and like going, okay, <laughs> we could take this out of this, and we could take this out of that, and it was, you know, and we had a blast with it for an entire summer. Patty, your life is a movie. I don't. <laughs> we used to say it's supernatural, but I think it's more than that. Like that's that's what people in like they go to the crazy genius guy and they're like, "Hey, we need this ghost box thing," well, and they're like, was, "Okay," uh, and he they whip to he's like, "These are the parts I have," and then he whips it together. You know, and then like that didn't work, so we tweaked it again, and then we would tweak it again, and then we would tweak it again, and it was like, wait, I was thinking about this. Now, if we go down to the basement and we steal this out of this box, and we steal this out of this thing, and we take this from this, you know, ionizer and this from this other thing, we could put it all together, and I think I could wire it. And he's like a little MacGyver, and so he would just, we would just tinker with this crap, and we would have fun with it, and then we would drag it to a site, and then we would see how it worked. Oh yeah, and also while you were trying to figure out this magic formula. How many casualties did you have in your group? <laughs> None. None. <laughs> like someone's sitting there and you turn it on and then someone's head explodes next to you and you're like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> no, because every site that we went on, the, the guys and I that worked on the project, we were the first people in and the last people out. <laughs> so that we, we experimented on ourselves. All right, Patty, horror comedy, you and me, script. <laughs> Script writing, we're doing it. This and I happening. never think about my, it's like my my publishers always say shit like that. Like they'll go, you need to tweet about this stuff, and I'm like, I lived it, you know. And at the moment you're in the middle of this, you don't think, oh, pardon me, pardon, let the let the weird child molesting ghost name Lester, the child molester, you know, pause for a moment. Well, I tweet about him. Yeah, da 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 da. Well, you, you could know? do like a this weekend we went to such and such, and this is what happened. This is what we got. And then I have I mean, like 50,000 questions from it because like people want to know, like they think they're going to build it, but good luck with that. Like, cause it took us months and months and we did a heck of a lot of research. And I had this guy who was an electrical engineer that was a friend of mine who would come and tweak things. Another guy who was like a, just kind of like a, he was a MacGyver. There's no other word for him. He was mm -hmm. a MacGyver. And he, he would take stuff that didn't look like it could fit together. And he would come running up from the ba from the garage or the basement and he'd scream, I think I figured this one out. Look, if you put this here and you wire this to this and then this happens, we can make it work. And I'm like, great, let's make it work. We got a site this weekend. <laughs> and so we would just have fun with it. I have so many hilarious scenarios for this in my head. <laughs> But like nobody just... would believe the stuff that yeah. we went, we did. And nobody would believe like he was the biggest lech on the planet. He was hilarious. And, but he was so serious about his ghost hunting. But then he was like, I'm like, where's he at? And they're like, oh, he's over at the bar. He's talking up the three chicks over there. I'm like, get back here. <laughs> you have work to do. Like, you, but you, they like ghosts. They like their ghost groupies. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Just get back here. Ghost groupies. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. Anybody in the paranormal world will tell you there's ghost groupies. Oh, no. Uh, Male and female. Okay. I better look out for that. Sounds like I'm yeah. getting pulled into that ghost groupie world. Yeah. I'm married, everyone. <laughs> I have a kid. It doesn't matter with the ghost don't do groupies. It. Don't I don't do know it. how many times I've gone downstairs. I've had Craig call me on his phone or his radio, and he's like, get your ass down here now. And I'm like, why? And he's like, there's freaking ghost groupies, and I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> and I'm like... 
come run down the stairs and I'm like, Craig, I need you upstairs right away, please. And he's like, I got to go, girls. And he's like, thank you, God. <laughs> Hark, he's, he's I am really a damsel shy. in distress. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the EMF meters are going off. I need your assistance. And he's like, I'm sorry, girls. I got to go. She needs help. <laughs> That's he's upstairs awesome. and he's like, thank you so much, Patty, for rescuing me. I'm like, anytime. I'll, I'll rescue your sorry little ass. <laughs> he's like, just let me stay up here with you the rest of the night. I don't want to go downstairs for anything. I will wait to pee. You can make sure the ghost groupies are gone before I got to go back. Nice. Like, no problem, honey. Yeah. Well, oh, we yeah. All, we all know the problem with peeing in a bottle. So. Don't we? Yes. It'll get you in trouble with TSA. <laughs> yes, it will. If you still haven't seen that, everyone... That video is still up on our Facebook page and uh, it's a preview to our Patreon stuff. So check it out. Yeah, you should. Uh, yeah, you should see. There are ghost groupies in this universe. I hate to break it to you. There's mm -hmm. lots of them. And every paranormal show has them, but not just them. I mean, local ghost hunting groups have them and all kinds of crap. There's always those three half drunk chicks that are trying to pick up some ghost hunter. If you do a bar or a restaurant. I mean... Seriously, this could and be actually, this. This could sound like an incentive to do more ghost hunting. This that was the one I told you about where Craig wanted me to rescue him. I think is that I think that was the U.S. hotel. Oh, really? There was like three of them at the bottom of the stairs. And he was like, um, I got to talk to Patty for a second. He's like, come get me now. ghost groupies. <laughs> and I'm like, I get to the top of the stairs. And I'm like, Craig, the EMF meters are going off. I need your assistance. And he's like, I got to go, girls. Well, there you go. Ghost hunting is a single person's game, apparently. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Um, I tell you story after story about that crap. I have rescued more ghost hunting guy friends of mine than you could shake a stick at. But there are some guys that want to do the same thing. So yeah, we've had our we've had our share of moments. Oh man, I can't wait to do the uh, Patty Wilson biopic. This is gonna be so fun. I should start working on it now because that's like eight years ago that you did yeah. that experiment. I have a lot of time to make up. I have a lot of things to uncover. I guess we'll just keep podcasting. I just ghost hunt. That's all I do. <laughs> Not anymore. I, I write, I ghost hunt, and I podcast with you. That is it. I am like the most boring person on the planet. I don't understand why people think it's interesting. Because like I just live my life. This is my life. And when I'm like, people will say, what are you going to do today? And I'm like, I'm going to go buy groceries, play with my grandson Andy, and ghost hunt. Or write and, about ghost hunting. Or write about ghost hunting. Or talk to Kenny <laughs> or on do, podcast. Or do research hunting. about ghost hunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be all, it's, it's all about ghost hunting people. That's all there is. <laughs> so I was going to tell you about another prison that I actually have, I can't say that I personally had an experience in, but a friend of mine had an experience in. He's a prison guard in a, a prison down south. And um, he took the job approximately a year ago. And there was this one particular cell that when he um, in the max security wing that um, has a really bad rep. And when he got there, they were, you know, they told him that, you know, be careful. The guy in that cell, the guy's completely crazy, psychotic. You know, he'll attack you and everything. Well, it's a prison. It's a, you know, they expect that. Mm -hmm. So he said uh, after he was there about three months, they pulled the prisoner out of that prison cell and they, they rotated him to a different cell. And put somebody else in that cell. And he said, I'm not lying to you. Within two months, this guy was totally different. He was not psychotic anymore. He was pleasant to deal with. You ask him about that cell and he'd say, man, I don't know what the hell happened to me down there. But it wasn't me. I wasn't myself, man. 
And, um, but he was a completely different person. He was compliant and, um, not a problem. Didn't hurt anybody. Didn't attempt to hurt himself or anybody else at all. But interestingly enough, the guy that got put into that cell, who was very much, um, compliant and a very easygoing person who had not caused any problems suddenly became psychotic Hmm. over the course of two to three months. And he became, um, very aggressive. And I remember the guy calling me one time and he said to me, um, this was like the third or fourth prisoner. Well, he told me that they put another prisoner in there and he was worried because he said the guy was a nice fella. And I hate to see what will happen because he had seen it happen two or three other times. They put somebody in there and they just turned crazy. They were physically, um, totally emotionally, psychologically, everything completely different than what they had been previous to being in that cell. Hmm. And, um, he said about, you know, I feel really bad because I like this guy and he's not a bad guy. And I mean, I hope it doesn't happen to him. And then about two months later, he called me and he said, um, I think I've just seen the face of evil is how he opened the conversation. And I said, why? And he said um, he had taken the guy that was in that cell currently to go get a shower. And the one of the other prisoners in the cell across the away from this cell yelled it for him. He said, be careful with him, man. He'll hurt you. He's, he's crazy. And, um, he said, I was in the, in the shower room with him and making sure he got a shower and they get like five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is for their shower. And then they got to get moving. And he told the guy, the guy said he wanted more time. And he said, no, he said, you had your time. You got to go. There's other people that want to get a shower. And, um, the guy turned on him and he said, I just for a minute, his eyes rolled back and all I could see were the whites of his eyes. And I thought he was going to lunge at me. And then in the last second, one of the other prisoners had the prisoner from across the way that had yelled, you know, to be careful had come in with another guard and he started talking to the guy right away. And he's like, Hey man, you don't want to do that. You want to like calm down. Dude, there's no reason to hurt him. He's a nice guy, you know, and he's talking to him. He said, and if that guy hadn't intervened, I think that guy would have killed me. So this is the the guy that they were worried about putting in there. This is like there's like the nice guy that that they were worried about. He's the one that that's the face of evil. You're saying. Yeah. Okay. There, well, there's been like three or four of them over right. the course of a year. They rotated them in and out of that cell. And everyone who goes into that cell, when they go in, they're usually decent. You know, they're, they're reasonable, rational people that just want to get through getting being in prison and get through the system and go home. Right. And by the time they've been in that cell for a month or two, they're completely off the charts. Hmm. As he put it, batshit crazy. Well, is that, I mean, what do they think it was? He doesn't know what it is, but he did say something to his commander and his commander laughed at him. And then he said later on that night, he called him up and he said, hey, you know what you were saying earlier about there's something wrong with that cell? And he said, yeah. He said, uh, I won't I won't say anything about it to anybody else. He said, I don't want you to say anything about it, the commander said. But he said, you know, I went back and I looked at the record and you're right. He's like, the last six guys that were in there. They turned violent while they were in there. And after they were back out of that cell for a couple months, they were different people again. They were back to who they used to be. He's like, I hadn't really noticed it until you pointed it out. Yeah. So, you know, I haven't been there because it's, it's you know, several, it's about a thousand miles from here where the place is at. But um, Are they still he, using uh, it? Do you know? Yes. They're still using Currently, that cell? Yes. Currently, they are still using that cell. It's a prison. They have population issues. Yeah. 
Um, but um, it's, you know, pretty clear to me that obviously something negative and dark is in there and it attempts to slide in and take over these people. And that's that energy. That's the energy that's absorbed in that spot. We started out talking about energy and, and this is, you know, this is what is there. There's something negative that seeped into those walls and whatever it is, it's, it's impacting these people that come through there and they are literally prisoner. They can't get away from it. Mm -hmm. So why is that? Like, like what is it? Okay. So you said they would move in to a brand new prison, we'll say. Right. And then in a matter of no time, the energy, the negative energy problem will be an issue. Well, be, well, in the instance, the first instance, that's because they messed with the Ouija board. So they kind of um, exaggerated things and moved along too fast. But would it happen anyway, do you think? Eventually. I th well, I don't know if the demonic entity outside the window would have happened. But I, but I think that over the course of time, the energy that's in that building, not just from the prisoners, I would like to add, but from the prison guards yeah. and the staff. You know, everybody that's there, because that's a negative. Uh, and, and even if they're and I'm not trying to speak ill of prison guards, I have dear friends who are prison guards, but it is a um, it is a dangerous and a, and a negative and you have to keep control and you have to be strict and and what have you in order to, to get through that process. And, you know, some people that are prison guards are bullies. Yeah. They just are. In fact, I'm going to tell you a story about a boy in a helmet here in a few minutes that. All right is an illustration of that before you do that. So, but what is it that the negative energy seems to get trapped in those places and it can't leave? Does it have oh. anything to do with like the metal bars or does it, is there anything like that that absorbs and holds on to negative energy that would just make it radiate well, eventually? Eventually. Well, stone, we see, we do believe stone holds energy better than most things, but so does wood hold energy. Anything can absorb an electromagnetic field, but, um, it's a concentration of negativity going through there. There, you know, there's rarely good going through there. Right. And it just seeps into the walls and then it, it's triggered almost like, um, like it, it builds up and then releases. Yeah. Or feeds on, like in this instance, I think it almost feeds on whoever's in that cell. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm thinking about after the fact, right? After they close down the prison mm -hmm. and there's always still negative energy just all through that joint, you know? And right. is it held from when there were people there? In, yes. Like in the bars or in the walls or in the in something? The, yeah, it's it's in the walls. It's it's <clears throat> it's imbued inside of the building, inside of the the very structure itself. And I think that like you'll hear stories of hauntings where <clears throat> there's a a story about a plane in the 19 it was late I'm thinking it was late 1970s and I could go back if you want to find out more about it and give you the exact flight number and everything but the plane went down in the Everglades and everybody was killed on board and um, the airline salvaged the plane parts and began to put them on other planes and there were um, several sightings of the one co-pilot hmm. on the planes and it would always be right before something would happen, almost like a harbinger. But they actually got so bad that they actually, the airline actually called the planes parts all back and disposed of them because it was like the energy was imbued inside the parts. And whenever they were put on the plane, then they would see people from the plane, mostly the one co-pilot, the co-pilot, but there were, was I think there was a, 
one time the engineer was seen and one time the actual pilot was seen on different planes. And it was the crew that knew these people. So it wasn't just a guesswork thing. Like these people were well known. These were staff that the sortuses had flown with in the past and stuff like that. So what would it be in the metal that would Same hold thing, on to this stuff? Same thing, it's the energy. I mean, because the, the metal would be made from multiple elements. Is there a particular element that would be more uh, of a cause to hold all the, this negative energy? I mean, it's speculated that silica is, you know, because, you know, it's mm. what is is one of the key elements. But I think any, but there's been so many different things that you, you could guess it could be any of them. But I mean, like a lot of places where there's granite, yeah. which has a, key, a, a a component of silica, a huge component of silica um, and, and quartz, um, you know, seem to hold and record that energy very well. But then, and people will say, well, that's ridiculous, but we have watches that run because of quartz yeah. and silica is the um, basis of the computer chip. Hmm. There's some theory there, Patty. It's, it's stewing, it's stewing and brewing. I knew there was a reason that I got those stupid silica gel packets in my beef jerky and I threw it right out. I was like, forget <laughs> this. I don't want anything to do with this. Right. Yeah, probably because I didn't want to die from eating it by accident because I am so like greedy and how I eat my beef jerky. I'm just ah shovel it in, you know, but (laughs) but but I don't like silica. (laughs) I never have. And now I know why. See, I get these vibes. Thank you for validating me. You're welcome, Kenny. I'm so glad I validated you that they're putting silica in your beef jerky just so that the spirits can haunt you. Might be. You know, I did notice that I hear more voices on the days I have beef jerky. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> that's not a thing at all. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Moving on. Because <laughs> we, we talked about prisons and then mm-hmm. um, where we else? We talked about the detention centers. Yeah. So what well, was know, the other one? Well, there's actually you know, one other story I'd like to tell, but the hospitals have a, a lot of that as well. You know, I mean, I, there's a thousand hospital stories, mm. um, you know, of, of places where people have passed away and the energy from that person or from the um, emergency rooms. I hear a lot of ghost stories from emergency rooms. Mm. You know, there's a lot of trauma going through them. And I have to tell you, almost every hospital I've ever walked into, if they find out I write ghost stories, a nurse or a doctor will say to me, you know, this place is haunted. And they'll tell me their ghost story and then they'll say, but if you ever tell anybody I told you that, I'll deny it. Yep. But I I hear them all the time. That's why there needs to be more of a dialogue about ghost stories because everyone has one. Even those who say they don't believe they have one. They're like, I don't know what it was. I don't believe in ghosts, but... You know, this was weird. And I used used to run into that a lot with when I did speaking engagements, people that would sit there and go, ghosts are ridiculous. That's ridiculous, you know. And then at the end of the night, they'd be the guy hanging around at the corner, you know, saying, hey, before you leave, I want to tell you the story. Yeah. I wish it could just be more uh, out in the open. It is much better than it used to be. Mm -hmm. It is. Totally. Um, I can tell you at one point in time, it was much, much harder. People would literally like be almost you know anal about oh my god don't tell anybody i said this if you tell anybody i swear to god i will tell them you are a liar right but and then they would tell you the story (laughs) yeah that happened to me at my mom's retirement party i got two people spilling 
about all their ghost stories in a minute. Like he, uh, the one guy overheard me talking about the Knickerbocker. Mm-hmm. You know the Knickerbocker in town in in Altoona. I, I wrote about it in Booze and Brews. Oh, yeah, I read it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been so long since I read Booze and Brews. It's a great book, everyone. Definitely check it out, especially if you're in Central PA. Uh, but yeah, the Knickerbocker. I forgot about it being haunted, and mm-hmm. and uh, I I had just spoken uh, about like like he put two and two together. He heard that I had a podcast. And he heard Knickerbocker that I was talking to somebody about that. And he came over and he apparently lived there. So he had experiences upstairs and he just tells me. And I'm like, cool, man. (laughs) Like, thanks. But I I also had an experience. He's like, what was that? So um, I was just, I, I totally forgot that it was haunted. And I walked back like around. I haven't been there in a long time. I walked all around the building. As soon as I stepped in that back room, I got that ghost house vibe and i turned right around and said yeah this room's haunted <laughs> and i walked right out <laughs> but um then he's like then he's like oh well this the bartender she has a bunch of ghost stories go talk to her and i'm like hey can i have water and also i heard you have ghost stories and then she just like spills five ghost stories to me just like that all it's from like, the knickerbocker or where no 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 uh one was from her time in germany one was uh from a house that she lived in just various things like she smelled uh cigar smoke and that's all that's ever happened it's just they always mm-hmm. knew that this one dude was still there but that was it he didn't do anything but i mean she just was so happy that someone wanted to know about g- her ghost stories you know mm-hmm. which is funny but um i don't even know why i started talking about that sorry we were talking about <laughs> go- telling ghost stories to people telling them to you in yeah, secret. yeah, yeah. sorry I I'm getting uh I'm being very digressy. Um It's all right. Yeah. So continue. What were you okay. saying? So like one of the, my favorite ones about this because it was actually a totally different type of haunting. It took place in um it was kind of a a holding tank for kids that were troubled. And they were like they're removed from their families and this young man was just a, you know, he was just a young kid and he got removed from his family because he got involved in something way over his head. Basically, they broke him and a bunch of his buddies broke into this old abandoned house and they were kind of using it like a clubhouse. And somebody decided to bring a kerosene lamp in so they'd have light and they could hang out there at night. And they, the kids were carrying on and wrestling. They broke the lamp. The house caught on fire. Now they're arsonists. Right. Okay. Yep. So he ended up going to this facility because of that. And... um it was not a very pleasant facility. Um, they, the guards were very rough on the kids, very, very nasty. And it only takes one or two really nasty people, pedophiles and what have you, to make life absolutely untenable. Or beatings, you know, bullies, things like that. And not just the kids. I mean, they weren't just wor- worried about fighting each other. It was, the, it was the guards that would beat the crap out of them. And I've spoken to several people who've worked in these kind of facilities and they all have the same stories. It's really tragic, but they all have the same stories that I have met. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's, it's much more common than I would like it to be. But anyhow, this young man was there and there was this one particular guard who took a liking to him and started bullying the crap out of him and, um, trying to hit him up for sexual favors. And the kid was not having it. So he beat the kid up. And he put him in 
pretty bad shape. And um, so that nobody would know about it and because he needed medical attention, he was put in a um, in a, uh, a room. It was a cell, basically, but it was um, like an isolation cell. And um, the only person who came in was the nurse. When he woke up, it was kind of dark in there. And um, he was in an awful lot of pain. He had, you know, his nose was broken and his his mouth was all messed up and his ribs were busted up. And he was just in a really bad way and um, fell back to sleep. And the nurse came in and she gave him some more meds. And the meds were awesome because they left him rest, you know, and just knocked him out. But finally, the second day, he came, kind of came to late in the evening. And um, the nurse had left some broth and stuff there for him. And um, he's sitting up and he hears this voice. And he kind of squints and he looks and the voice voice walks toward him. And here it's a young, it's a boy. And the boy's about his age, but he has a helmet of some sort on his head. Um, and he says to the kid, he's like, so uh, one of them got you, huh? And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, I know who it was. And he's talk. they're talking. And he's finally the boy says to his boy's name's um, Harry. He says, uh, what are you doing in here? And what's with the helmet? And he's like, oh, he's like, I've been here for a long time. And he's like, this is an isolation cell. He's like, yeah, I know. He says, but they don't, they don't even notice me anymore. And the kid said, well, yeah, but what about the helmet? And he's like, yeah, I got some sort of head condition. I can't get hit in the head. So I got to wear the stupid helmet. And his head was a little bigger. So, you know, I'm thinking maybe some sort of encephalitis or something. But anyway, um, when the nurse came in, she didn't seem to notice him. And the boy sort of stepped back in the corner and she gave this kid his medicine and, and, uh, made sure he drank something and, and then laughed. And she never said a word to him about, um, the boy in the corner with the, the helmet on. And this became a pattern for the next two weeks. The boy would talk to him and, um, discuss what happened and, and all of this. But when somebody would come in from the staff, Nobody noticed him. He just sort of step over to the corner and they just all walk by him like he wasn't there. And uh, eventually, of course, the boy gets put back out into the population. It's like a, a, di- a giant dormitory room and everybody had like a little s- spot. You had a bed and a locker and what have you. And he gets put back into population and that guard is still after him. And, and he kind of dodges it a couple times. And then he gets caught one night doing KP duty in the kitchen and the guard comes in. And kind of pins him in a corner where he can't get away. And the guard's making it quite obvious what he's after. And um, all of a sudden, when the boy realizes he can't get away, that something bad's going to go down, the guard kind of looks past him. And there shouldn't be anything past him because it's just a little piece of little space in, the, in a wall. And the guard's eyes get as big as saucers. And he's like, I'm out of here, man. I'm just freaking out of here. And he takes off. And the boy turns around, not sure what to expect, you know, because the guard obviously saw something behind him. And there stands the boy in the helmet. And he's like, don't worry, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll get you covered. And this happens a few more times where somebody kind of, kind of goes to attack this kid. And when he looks around after they've taken off, they fled suddenly, um, the boy is standing there. Nobody else ever seems to see him other than those that mean to harm him. Hmm. And this continues on for quite a while until the boy is, um, you know, he's finally released. 
And he said that, you know, he came to realize over the course of time that this boy had died there, probably in that same isolation room where he first met him, that probably one of the guards had hit him too hard in the head and it did him in. Hmm. And he always wanted to go back and see if he could release the boy and help him to cross over so he didn't have to be there forever. Because he remembered that remark about, I've been here a long time. They don't even seem to notice me anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, but he said, I also wonder if he's picked up some other little kid who needed help that he's being a guardian for now. Right. So that place is still open. It is like an active. Yes. Mm. That's a really sad story. It is a sad story, man. Unfortunately, it is a fairly common story because, you know, people that want to harm other people find places and ways to do it. And, yep. um, it is what it is, but yeah. And, and it's not, it's not by any stretch of the imagination uncommon. Like I said, mm -hmm. I've unfortunately had other, had clients and different people throughout the years that I have met who have survived such things. Mm. Ugh. And you never hear about it. Of course you, you don't. And, and, and one of the reasons you don't is because they're in the control so that, you know, there was nobody to take pictures of what happened to this kid because he's in a facility and he's isolated and they put him in the isolation room and two and a half weeks later, the bruising's pretty much healed. And the story, the narrative is written by the staff and they're not going to tell on each other. Right. You know, I have a dear friend who used to, he worked in three of those facilities and he told me, he said the reason he quit working there wasn't because of the kids. It was because the staff was such bullies with these kids because they could get away with it. He said, not all of them. There were nice people there, yeah. but he said there were always, there was always a couple in every facility I ever worked in that just wanted to be assholes yep. and they would beat these kids for no good reason. Anything that deals with authority is going to have bad apples. Yep, they do, sure. unfortunately. And so like, I'm not misrepresenting it, but because there are good people there that do care. Oh, definitely. My friend was definitely one of them, but yeah. um, other people, that not so much. But it's still um, good to bring it up and have someone actually think about that because no one thinks about those kids anyway. Once they're, oh, you were in juvie or you were in, you know, whatever, you must have been a bad kid, right? And, and yeah. they don't really they probably have nowhere else to go. Those kids, they, they have no one to talk to or no, no yeah, ramifications. There's no, there's no advocate. There's um, no guardian ad litem for them. There's right. nothing. They, they don't have anybody to come in and protect them. They literally are at the will of, of the people that they're, that are their caregivers. Oh, that's awful. Hopefully there's more kids like the helmet kid out there. Well, I think that, you know, um, like when I listened to the story um, from this young man, I was just really impacted by it mm -hmm. and I wanted to share it because, you know, not all, all energy is negative. Obviously this boy took his death as a way to help others. Yeah. Next week, the entire story will be the paranormal uh, patron story. I actually wrote the story as, cause I was so impacted by it. I wrote it right away. So this week we're going to finish up with the, um, the haunted animals for mm. the paranormal for our patrons yes and then next week that will be the story they will get they'll get the whole story and um and the uh for our patrons to read and we've done parts one and part two and now the part two will be patron only uh articles blog posts so um I'll tell you what we have some really cool stories coming up including a haunting camel what 
a haunted a camel that haunts the, this area. <laughs> I always yes. I always think it's funny when people say like animals haunting something because it makes me think it's on purpose. <laughs> but they don't really Well, it's a really it's a really interesting and kind of grisly story. Um, um in its own weird way uh, because um during the after the Civil War and what have you, the American government got the idea in the Southwest deserts that um, it would be so much easier to work with camels, you know, crossing the desert than it would be with horses, mules, and donkeys. Mm-hmm. And so they brought in a fleet of of camels. And what happened with this camel and his rider became the genesis for this ghost story. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Was it a one hump or two hump? I don't know. Oh, well, then I'm not going to like the story. There's not enough well, detail. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding um i'll have to look i don't know which ones have one hump and which has two humps but <laughs> i'll try to find that out for you kenny okay yes yes please please do um and uh i guess we should just mention where to find all of our information and patreon and all that stuff um patty and i have launched a link tree that has literally everything you could possibly want to know on there and yes. uh it'll take you to our youtube our email our voicemail uh for calling in suggestions and comments and stories that we can maybe play on the air if you have any um we also have the patreon page oh geez every single place that we're listened to on podcasts um it's all in one place finally so uh check that out that's under our website on our facebook or it's in the bio on our instagram which we also have just launched so um just like follow share review comment all these things get get us more traction with other people i did notice um the one post that i put out today it it got way more comments than likes and it just was so much more of a successful post for us um so apparently commenting is like the number one currency so if you ever have something interesting to say about what we're talking about you know please let us know because that'll get you know, the post in front of more eyes and that helps us grow. Right. So we thank you all for listening. We just topped, uh, 4,200 followers on Facebook and like over 5,000 listens, I guess on audio only. So we're getting there. We are. And we have so many things planned coming up. You're doing the, um, review of the horror movies, you and Jason, and that's coming up and, uh, we're going to do, uh, a weekly news story from the paranormal news story from the national headlines and stuff like that. Um, and we also want we, your questions and comments so we can start doing those at the end, like what we're doing right now. Um, yes. So we can be like such and such wrote in, you know, whatever. So um, participation, everyone, we want to build this paranormal paranormalist community. And, and we um, are going to have for our patrons, hopefully in the next few weeks, I'm trying to figure this out. Once you join, you get a, um, a free, E Kindle ebook version of one of my one of my books and my actually my most recent one. So we've got a lot of stuff in the works, guys. Yeah, all that for five dollars. If you could potentially uh, buy us a coffee, if we were friends in real life, buy the show a coffee for five bucks and become a Patronormalist member. That those add up fast, and that will help us do all kinds of stuff. Um, yes. We want to do TV shows. We want to do trips to the uk to do experiments with sensitives there's all kinds of stuff 
So if you want to see this field grow, help us. You want us to build a, one of those machines so you can fog the air. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dead, don't you? <laughs> that's that's the secret. Yeah. If you really want that, that machine that we're going to invent, <laughs> then <laughs> it's already invented. We just know the opposite. Assemble the opposite the of that. Yeah. That hasn't been invented yet. So that's that's a totally different process because you have to literally pull the positive and negative ions out of the air somehow. I know it's going to be nuts. And that, but then you have to actually figure out how that's going to impact the biology of the person that's in the atmosphere. Hey, all that takes, uh, all that takes money to do. So if you want that to happen, patron, potential patron. Yeah, one of the things I learned was that it does mess with your sight whenever you put too many ions and stuff into the atmosphere. I'm um, sure because then it's going to start screwing with your energy and your yep neurologic neur neurologically <laughs> neurological neurological functions. Yep, it was weird. It was very weird. I think I need to go. <laughs> you need to rest, Kenny. I need. You need to take a nap, and I have ice cream before you do that. You know what <clears throat> I said to my mom? What? I'll sleep when I'm dead. I used to say that because you know she said you that I to... need to sleep more, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's not up to me." When the baby stays up till almost four, because yeah, she's not it. tired, like that just gets you every time. I had I had those days, mm -hmm. and I don't envy them because they were exhausting. Yeah, but at least staying up this late, I go, "Hey, you want to come down to my office and and chill out?" And she'll come down, and then I'll just work <laughs> so it's, yeah. you know as long as she's not screaming i can i can listen to the podcast and edit and stuff so that's the only benefit yeah. is she's making me stay up late to work well thanks and baby. we have so much stuff we have so much stuff coming with different guests that are coming on and and one of our favorite guests is coming back and um yeah we have so much stuff coming out i'm just so excited so much stuff just keep checking the page everyone pages and we will see you later. Good night.